So we're in Colossians 3 uh, today, starting in verse 1. We're going to read that first chunk, then skip a little bit down to verse 12, uh, so we can follow along together as we read in Colossians 3 today. Hear this. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And then jumping down to verse 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit, one who gives us life, who parents us, who brings us up, who cares for us and nurtures us, we come to you humbly this morning with open hands to give you what we want to give you and to receive what you want to give us. And ask us in this moment, in this short time in our week, that we'd be refreshed by your Spirit, that we'd hear something new from you, that we'd be challenged to live more like you, that we leave this place ready, equipped, encouraged, energized to tell other people about your goodness for us and to us. This work that you've began in us, maybe even began it this morning, continue it in us. That as our days go by, as our hours go by, as minutes go by, all of those would be pointed toward you, your character, your love, your goodness. That when others see us, they see you. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. Uh, friends, again, just, uh, thank you for being here today. I just want to, again, welcome you to Branches and uh, let you know, kind of, if you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks where we've been, the first week of this series, uh, Katie Meir, she just really led us in a great, powerful way, and I've listened to that sermon three times now in preparation and to steal uh, uh, all of her wisdom, the foundation that she laid for us about what Colossians is about, what Paul's trying to communicate to his people. And then last week, uh, we, we landed in a place uh, thinking about what it means for us to just embrace and acknowledge and remember what God says about who we already are to kind of recollect our, our, our character in Christ, that we are in Christ, as the passage says today, and there's nothing we can do about it. Jesus is Lord, and that's just a, uh, irreducible and, and just uh, a fact that you can't delete from the universe. It's just the way things are. Uh, and, and then this week, we're talking about, okay, what, what that means to then be in Christ, and as Paul says, what it means to keep our mind and our hearts and our, our, our souls pointed to those things that are above on heavenly things. 
And then this last week, next week, um, the fourth Sunday of this series, we're going to wrap it up, and I'll invite you to come uh, to hear my friend Drew preach to wrap us up in Colossians. Last week here at uh, St. Luke's was VBS. Any of you all part of VBS? Teaching, witnessing, yes, love the woos, very nice. Uh, I prayed on one of the days, and it was very different than my participation in VBS at my last church at Memorial Drive. Uh, all of the associate pastors uh, were costumed and uh, dancing. So I've, had, I've lived many lives uh, since I came here. Uh, one year I was Blizzard the Wizard on the year that it was like medieval themed. We made up our own characters. We kind of went rogue on the curriculum a little bit. Um, one year I was like a nameless camper on the Rolling River Rampage. Anybody remember Rolling River Rampage? That was a good one. Uh, the last year I was at Memorial Drive, I was um, a sweaty, tired carrot the parrot. I was in this very heavy, uh, furry parrot costume. And there's these, you can, if you look at my, I, can't believe I'm telling you this. If you go look at my Facebook, you can see on the outside, if you kind of look from far away, Carrot the Parrot looks thrilled, but you can see my dead soulless eyes in the costume, you know? I was just like, was like, this is the choice I made and I'm just sweating, dying. And they're like, maybe we could save the costume and use it next year, use it for another time. I'm like, no, this costume is going in the trash. <laughs> um, well, my friend Drew, we worked there together for a handful of years, and that was kind of our bonding experience together, is to do um, VBS together. Because we'd do the dances, we'd come up with a little storyline, we'd do some little gags and jokes, we'd scare the kids, or take pictures with them and befriend them. And we had a great week, and it took up a lot of time in our week, but it was always really fun, because it was a great way for the associate pastors to get hazed, I guess, and also to bond. <laughs> Uh, and one year on Rolling River Rampage year, it was one of my early years at this church, uh, Drew is like four or five years younger than I am, but there became this myth, this story that people told about Drew and me that Drew was my dad. Um, he's not, of course, <laughs> he's younger than I am, but he may bring that up next week, just so you know. So that was my, that's my happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Drew. Uh, looking forward to you being here preaching next week. But as, as I said, we were going through this series on Colossians, one of my favorite books of the Bible. And last week, I want to start with that conclusion, so we can kind of slide into today's conclusion, which is, uh, there is nothing you can do to undo who God says you are. Your identity in Christ is the most important thing about you, Christians want to say. And even if you resist it or want to forfeit it or try to push it away, uh, God loves you in spite of that effort maybe even loves you because of that effort, and continues, we read over and over again in Scripture, a God who, who pursues you and comes after you and wants to draw you in and wants to love you and remind you that you are this God's child. And so we begin on that foundation, and Paul then in this third chapter, he says, okay, with that said, with that as a reality we want to accept or maybe are trying to accept, if that's true, then keep your mind focused on heavenly things, on things above, he says. So at the beginning of chapter 3, if you've been raised with Christ, there's this if, you have been, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. If you're in this person, if you are, your identity is rooted in this person, seek what that means for you. He's seated at the right hand of God. He is God's instrument for how he wants to transform the world, and you're part of that story. So set your mind on. Seek the things that are above. And in reading that this week, I am reminded of a phrase. It's Father's Day, so I thought about the things my dad said over and over again. 
one of which was, and maybe you can help me complete this, don't be so heavenly-minded that you are of no earthly use or earthly good. Yeah, don't be so heavenly-minded that you're of no earthly good. You guys heard that before? That you're so pie in the sky, you're one of these wacky, weird religious people that you're just unbothered and unmoved by, like, real life. <laughs> that you're made, you've made your, your life part of the story of Jesus, and it's made you useless. I think there's actually really good examples of this being true. I think there's some truth to it, that you could be so heavenly-minded that you're of no earthly good. Uh, there was a show that I binged when I, I spent a couple of extra weeks during Christmas break in college uh, preaching for a small church in Conway, Arkansas, and in my downtime, I watched a lot of television. Uh, and I watched uh, How I Met Your Mother, I watched that from beginning to end, and then I watched all of um, Six Feet Under, very different shows. <laughs> uh, one is heartwarming, one is like, have you ever thought about your mortality? Uh, <laughs> now I do, thanks, Six Feet Under. Uh, and it's about this family that owns a um, funeral home, and every week the episode would begin with the untimely demise of someone. And then that person's story would then come into this funeral home. But the, every episode would begin with someone passing away, and then that story kind of then intertwining into... Um, the story of this family. And there was one, this woman was uh, kind of fanatically religious and listened to the radio all the time and kind of this end time sort of preaching. And far away, she was kind of having some hallucinations. Far away, there were some balloons that had started to lift up into the sky. And her mind then latched onto this and she thought, this is it. It's the rapture. Those balloons are actually people being lifted up into the sky. Uh, and she uh, stepped out into traffic. And that's how the episode began. Yeah, happy Father's Day. I wrote this down this morning, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't, but, you know, it, it drives the point home. You're going to remember that. Uh, and she's so heavenly-minded that she was of no earthly good, like literally. I'm also reminded of, I mean, I, I grew up in a small town in Arkansas, so billboards and radio and pamphlets I was handed that were so focused on, like, uh, if I could kind of reduce it, is your ticket punched? Like, are you, do you know where you're going to go? Like, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you're going to go? This kind of fear-mongering sort of religion. And to me, my estimation is that those things are so heavenly-minded, they're so otherworldly, that they're of no earthly good. Or actually, just recently, Landon and I were starting to listen to this podcast uh, called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling, super interesting, kind of diving into American culture a little bit and political division and free speech, and it's narrated by someone who used to be part of Westboro Baptist Church, which is really interesting. And they play these clips from these preachers that back then, J.K. Rowling was seen as this like uh, evil person who's trying to teach kids how to do spells and stuff. And they're describing like it teaches you to hate and be prejudiced and to drink unicorn blood. They don't exist, so I don't know how that's a danger, but anyway. But they're describing all of this stuff, and Lana and I are sitting in the car, I'm like, yes, all of that stuff is in the book, and those are the bad guys, you know? And they're so heavenly-minded, we say, they're so fanatical, they're of no earthly good. And so part of me really wants to hold on to that truth, that yeah, if you, if you focus so much on like where you're going to go, you're not going to really focus on where you are what you're called to, and the life that Jesus calls you, and, and the way that he can, calls you to conduct yourself in the world. But we can't escape that Paul, and not just here in Colossians, all over the New Testament, says, keep your, your focus on, keep your mind on, your spirit on, 
those things that are above, these heavenly things, because that's where Jesus is. There's even a, a Johnny Cash song uh, that uses that phrase. And at the conclusion of the song, he says, if you're holding heaven and spread it around. He says, you're, you're, of, you're of heavenly minds, so you're no earthly good. You, you don't know what you have. You've got to spread it around. And actually, I think that's what Paul is trying to say in this passage today, that it actually to be heavenly minded is to be of the most earthly good. Seek the things that are above, for you have died and your life is hidden. We smooth over, we speed way past the way that that verb is tensed and conjugated. For you have died and your life is hidden. Uh, other translations said, since you have died. Or uh, I'm from Arkansas, so since you done have died, <laughs> uh, you're, you will be raised. It's a done deal. You, you done died and you will rise again with Christ. It's a past tense thing. This thing has already been done. You've died with Christ, you will rise with Christ. It's a done deal. And because of that, we jump to verse 12 as we did today, there's some resultant action of that. Because this is a fact, as we concluded last week, because you've died with Christ and you're in Christ, you'll, your, your death and your life, your new life is connected to his. And he says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves. It's different than practice these things, but put on these qualities compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. And this is maybe more direct imperative, bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. And gives a really, really stark uh, call. That, actually, another done deal is that Jesus has forgiven you, so what makes you think you can't forgive others? And above all, the center point, the kind of gravity in the center of this new life in Christ is love which binds everything together. And I think the clothing metaphor is still operative here, that you have all these loose clothes on and then love is this belt that cinches it all up and it gives it form and shape. And then let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. There's a kind of inner contradiction, a beauty in there that the way you're gonna rule, the way you're gonna subjugate your life is not by violence or power over, but by peace, by one who gave of himself in his own body and be thankful, take on that quality of gratitude. And maybe this is the, the means by which, maybe all those, those things are the conditions by which we do these religious things, that we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, that is, we let the teachings of Jesus, the parables, the challenges, the quizzical, frustrating things he said, make home in our hearts, aren't just memorized or quoted when it helps us win an argument, but they live and they grow up in the home of your heart. And then teach and admonish one another in wisdom. That is, some of you are ahead of others. Teach others how to live. Give the wisdom, the expert living that you know to others. And then again, with gratitude, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs as we've already done together today. And then whatever you do, word or deed, any of these things, being kind or forgiving or singing or cooking or cleaning or marrying or kissing or holding hands or moving or working, any of these things, do everything in the name of Christ. The one to whom we focus our attention. The one who then centers all of us. Uh, I read a commentator this week that said, if we use the clothing metaphor, it's as if uh, you, you clothe yourself with a coat and then what happens is warmth happens underneath. 
that we create the conditions for warmth, that when we clothe ourselves with these qualities, when we try them on, and Paul's implication is they don't belong to us. When you put them on, they don't belong to you. Something happens underneath them. And when they're bound in love, that thing happens in a more stark and clear and beautiful and maybe even countercultural way that you put these qualities that don't belong onto yourself, and then before you know it, you're like, these do actually belong to me. These clothes do fit. These qualities are mine. And they weren't at first, but because of the work that Christ is doing in me, it changes me. It makes me a new person. And I can wear them around, and maybe it feels awkward at first, and maybe I feel like I look kind of goofy, and then after a while, they become comfortable and familiar and right and, frankly, literally fitting for the type of life that we want to live. Uh, any of y'all seen Silence, the Martin Scorsese movie about the Jesuit priests? Uh, it's like nearly three hours long, beautifully directed. I mean, it's Scorsese, so it's like classic. It's amazing. And Andrew Garfield plays one of these Jesuit priests. He and Adam Driver uh, are trying to find Liam Neeson. For the first time, Liam Neeson is the one who's lost, you know, and they're trying to seek him out. And he's lost in Japan, and it's this time uh, in the shogunate in Japan where Japan was closed off and they didn't want anybody to influence them or their culture, especially not Christians. They didn't want these missionaries to come. And Liam Neeson came, and they captured him, and they, like, torture him, and they're trying to get him to denounce Christ or the scene of him. They're asking him, like, after they've tortured him for so long, will you step on this icon of Christ? And he does, and then he, like, falls down in this kind of, like, you know, repentant way. And Andrew Garfield talks about and interviews his preparation for this, um, for this part and he describes himself as an agnostic pantheist. So he's not, not really a religious person, but he really wanted to get into the role. He really wanted to do it. So he started to study with Father James Martin, whom some of you are familiar, kind of a famous Catholic priest uh, these days. And he went through the Ignatian spiritual exercises, these kind of religious disciplines. And he would fast, and he would pray and meditate, and he would read the scriptures, and in the exercises, you step into the life of Jesus and Stephen Colbert, and asking him like, kind of what that experience was, he, he's also a Roman Catholic, he says, did you become like a compassionate kung fu monk? And Andrew Garfield says, yeah, actually, kind of. I started to see suddenly that everything was a miracle. And he describes how actually these uh, Ignatian spiritual exercises influenced now what we call method acting. It was actually a kind of Russian school of method acting. That instead of reading on the page, okay, my character says this, and the stage directions say, then I take a step over here, and then I take a drink of this cup, and then, then I say this, that method acting goes beneath the surface and says, okay, why would this person do it? How can I put on this person's life? And so now that's why we get like Daniel Day-Lewis when he filmed Lincoln. He's like texting people as Abraham Lincoln, you know, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. Like, hey, Here's the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation attached, you know, like it's me, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, anyway, dumb thought, forget I said that. Uh, uh, Andrew Garfield describes how doing the Ignatian spiritual exercises, trying on this Catholic spirituality, helped him understand what it means to take on the, the life of somebody else in acting. And then he also described how actually the Ignatian spiritual exercises fed into method acting and then in the, the same way that the 12-step program came along in that kind of uh, stream of thinking, that you put on something that doesn't belong to you, and then after a while, it does belong to you. It does change you. It does make you into that person that is wearing those clothes, that does have those qualities. You try it on, and it belongs to Christ and Christian spirituality, but then 
after a while you realize like, oh, it belongs to me. I grew up into it. I'm not just like four little people like wearing a trench coat. <laughs> Uh, it actually fits, it's the right size, it fits me, and I cinch it all together with love, and then after a while, that's just how you are, that's how transformation, that's how Christian spiritual formation happens, is you try it on, and then it belongs to you. I, of course, uh, couldn't leave today without thinking about my dad and reflecting on, you know, how all of us, and not just our dads, but mentors, people ahead of us, we see qualities in them that they have and we don't possess, and you can't possess them in an hour or the next day. You can't possess them just by thinking yourself into it. And you can't possess these qualities just by, um, you know, practicing little things at a time. You've got to try them on. And the most literal picture I can think of from my own experience with my own dad was uh, one day, uh, it was right after football practice in eighth grade. That's as, that was the last time I played football. Um, I wasn't good. This is just like, can I get this? I just got to get it out sometimes. Um, and we, were, we, were, we had taken showers, we were getting dressed, and I was putting on my clothes and I looked around and I realized that all of my peers and classmates were dressed up. And I was like, everybody looks so nice today. Like, what's going on? And then I realized that we were all in career orientation together, and at the capstone of career orientation was to do a fake job interview. I was not ready for my job interview. <laughs> I was wearing my jeans and my, you know, Dragon Ball Z t-shirt or whatever, uh, which is, you don't wear to a job interview, unless it's like to be an animator or something, I guess. And so I had to make the embarrassing phone call to my dad, like, hey dad, I messed up. Uh, I have my fake job interview today, which I know if I mess it up, I'll never, ever be successful. You know, not really. Uh, and uh, I need you to bring me some clothes. So I might have to like leave work and had some of his clothes, or maybe he changed and he gave me some of his. And I'm wearing this like billowy button-up and pants that are too long and shoes that are too big and a tie that he had to tie for me and then went way down past my belt line uh, and then, you know, I couldn't hold it all together. He's like, oh, here, and he gave me his belt, and I cinched it up on the smallest hole, <laughs> and I went to my job interview, and must have looked like a fool, but I do remember thinking, like, oh, this fits. Like, this makes sense. Like, I feel professional now, because I look like my dad, you know? And I put on these clothes, and now looking back, I'm like, all of those clothes would fit now except the pants would come up to here. My dad's very short. Uh, <laughs> and I wouldn't have to cinch it as tight, but I grew into those things. And that's a really simple way of understanding what Christ is calling us to. That by yourself, on your own, uh, blank slate as a person, compassion and kindness and humility and mercy and sacrifice aren't things that come naturally to you. And in fact, when you try them on for the first time, they're gonna feel uncomfortable because we're formed to not be any of those things. But then you try them on and then the next day it starts to fit a little better or you see yourself in the mirror and you think it starts to look good and you, you, you cinch up the belt a little more and it brings more shape and form to the why you're doing and you put yourself in the position of, if I were a compassionate, kind, and humble person and then before you know it, you are a compassionate and kind and humble person. So we, we look on the horizon and, and we see with the saints of the past and the people who have gone before us, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can say that to be heavenly minded is to be the most earthly good. We think about the people that fought for civil rights in this country weren't just thinking about uh, the kind of mechanics of that, but were also heavenly minded because they saw a future 
that was good for all people. That's to be heavenly minded, and it was of the most earthly good for people who were oppressed in our country. And think about Polly Murray, who before even Rosa Parks was, was told to move her seat on the bus because she, she was an Episcopal priest. She was heavenly minded. She saw justice and truth and compassion as a thing that God promised to people. And so she tried it on and it fit. And she was so heavenly minded that then she was the, the most earthly good. And we think of the saints who've gone before us and the people maybe that gave us or taught us or shared with us or told us about the Christian faith to begin with. We're heavenly-minded people, and we're also the most earthly good in the world. And then again, we're centered around and think about the way Johnny Cash concluded is, is thinking that uh, you're holding heaven. You've been clothed with righteousness. You've been clothed with God, God's goodness. And yeah, it doesn't belong to you, and you didn't come up with it, and you didn't sew it together, and you didn't purchase it. It was given to you. You hold heaven, so spread it around. Keep your mind fixed on the things above, on heavenly things, be so heavenly-minded that no one can deny that you are of the most earthly good. And it works the other direction, too. That, that, that if people see you're of earthly good, they'll wonder where you got it from, and you can say, it's because I've fixed my eyes on this person, on this one, on this, this place, this dream, this vision of the way the world could be. And because of that, from that, what flows from that this, this heavenly vision is why I care so much about yours and your neighbors and my enemies and my friends and the people in this city. It's why I care so much about their earthly good. Because God, in God's goodness and love, in his heavenly mind, in Christ, wants your good, seeks your good, desires your good. And that's my encouragement for you today on this Father's Day, on this maybe just a regular old Sunday for many of us. Be so heavenly-minded. Keep your eyes so fixed on Christ. Try it on. Maybe just try it on for today. See how it fits. That you may be, that people may recognize in you someone who is of infinite earthly good. Because ultimately you are. You're in Christ. There's nothing you can do about it. So when you try it on, you're, you're trying on clothes that you might not fit into yet, but you will. Maybe they've been given to you by someone who's trustworthy and cares for you and sees you and desires for you to grow up into them. So let's do that together, in Jesus' name. Let's pray.